Hey, 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 welcome back, everyone. It is season two, season two, episode one of the Leadership Locker. I completely stopped at an arbitrary number for season one, and lucky you, here you are for the beginning of season two, the next iteration of the Leadership Locker. If you are new here, the premise of the show is to siphon expertise from industry experts and influencers to help small business owners, veteran entrepreneurs, and transitioning service members like me. We've had some amazing guests, including Gary Vaynerchuk on the show. We've had Kendra Hall, the Chief Storytelling Officer at Success. We've had the Editor-in-Chief, Jason Pfeiffer of Entrepreneur. We've had this Wirebuzz CEO, Todd Hartley, founder of digitalmarketer.com, Ryan Dice. We've had entrepreneurial lawyers, Rachel Brenke. We've had negotiators on Mark Raffin. I mean, we've had so many beneficial episodes with so many incredible guests that we are going to continue to just keep this thing going to get you the information you need. Now, one thing I really try and avoid is having veterans on because I feel like we give each other some of the same advice. It's an echo chamber and sometimes it's just not freaking reliable. So that's why I wanted people who've never served because they'll give it to us straight. Once in a while though, you know, I have a Jocko Willink on or a Jeremy Knopf, who is the CEO of Spartan Media and my guest today. Uh, he helps you create exposure you need to build the business you deserve and by making you an authority in the marketplace. And he does that through web design, SEO, and social media services. His business and his team have been incredibly successful and he's a straight shooter, which made me want to have him on. So we are going to talk about actionable items on how to get you visible and how to actually make sure that your content actually has a strategy behind it and kind of the different levels it's going to take and the measures you're going to have to take in order to be respected and noticed as an industry authority. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, everyone. So welcome back. I already gave my intro on the man here. And Jeremy knows the deal, man. Like I, I just don't like to have veterans on because my mission is to just get some good information from people who haven't served. So we could get it straight up, no chaser. And, and I think that benefits us. And I think you'd agree, uh, Jeremy, but definitely a uh, quick intro, man. And we're going to get into some good shit. <laughs> love it. Love it. So uh, a little bit about me for your listeners. I served in the Marine Corps. After I got out, started my first company. And that was a dismal failure. Crashed that, lost everything, built everything up, got back on top of the world. And then uh, a few years ago, had a health crisis that almost killed me, knocked my dick in the dirt. And uh, basically had to start over again. That was loads of fun. And then from there, you know, I had a period where I was, I spent about two years on my deathbed where I was not really working, not really doing anything. Um, and in the marketing world, that's an eternity, right? You've got no case studies, no clients, no examples, no nothing. So basically I had, you know, 20 years experience and I had to start over brand new from scratch. But the cool thing about how that all played out was, in the process, I figured out how to go from zero to becoming an authority within your industry in a, a very short period of time. And I went from you know zero to basically, you know, I'm being published all over the place. I'm writing for multiple publications. I've got a column in Entrepreneur now, you know, working with some major clients, you know, so back on top of the world and, and here we are. So that's, uh, that's my story in a nutshell. Uh, out of curiosity, what was the first business that was a dismal failure? <laughs> Same industry. Um, I started a web design business in 1999 in a little tiny town in Spring Hill, Florida. It's a tiny place. It's got to be like maybe an eighth of the size of Tampa, something like that, right? So just kind of a, a little nowhere place. 
way before anybody thought that the internet was really going to have the impact that it does. And, you know, I would hear things back then like, oh, well, that, that internet, that's just going to be a fad. And we can see how that played out. So here we are today. Dude, I'm just really, really glad you opened with that. And I know it's kind of hard to ignore because it hurts, but it also is probably a blessing in disguise, especially after the second failure and your health issues, because that's like really how it is, man. I, I mean, you know, we've known each other for a little while now, and I would consider I, I have uh, some traction going, not nothing, cr nothing crazy yet, but some good things going. But I'm ready in the strange way for it to just go down the toilet like any given day, right? Like, I, I mean, and I don't mean something I'm going to do to completely disassociate myself or embarrass my clients or anything like that, but just just the way things happen. So I'm just really glad you shared that. Now, speaking of fat. Um, is Clubhouse a fad? Talk to us about Clubhouse. You know, God, I was I was torn on it for a while. I I've seen a lot of social networks come and go over the years, and I popped onto Clubhouse. God, I don't know. It was it was sometime in December. I, I looked at it. I didn't really do anything with it. And then a couple weeks ago, I went in there, and it was just it was blowing up. And when I say blowing up, so much so that. There's times when I've been hosting a room on Clubhouse. And for, for the audience who's not familiar with Clubhouse, basically, the best way to look at it is it's kind of like an interactive podcasting platform, right? So you can go on and talk about a topic. You can pull other speakers up out of the audience, um, bring them up, put them back down, however you want to do that. Or you could just just talk and, and just have people listening. There's, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But it's basically this completely interactive audio social network. Initially, I didn't really think there was much to it. And then I got on there, started to spend some time on there. And I mean, crap, in the last, in the last couple of days, I've been on several calls with people like Grant Cardone, um, Kevin Harrington. Well, Kevin Harrington, I already, already know him. So that's that, that one we won't count. But, you know, people like that, very, very high level people, people who are in the hundreds of millions of dollars range. So it, it's creating this kind of democratization of, of a network and you have the ability to connect with people that you would not ordinarily get access to. So it's tremendously valuable from that perspective. But where I see even more value for it is it's kind of whatever would come after the canary in the coal mine, right? We've been seeing this shift for a while in more subtle ways on all of the platforms where it's getting away from this kind of megaphone approach that most people are taking to social media where it's just get out here and blast your links or blast your articles or blast your you know content, whatever, whatever content you're sharing on social media. And it's more, we've been shifting slowly towards this sort of curated community approach where it's not just a, hey, let me tell you all these things. It's, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's have some dialogue. Let's see how we can collaborate and work together. And, and that's what Clubhouse has really enabled in ways that no other platform has. So the short answer is no, I don't think it's going to be a fad. I think it's going to stick around. I think it's going to kick Facebook's ass in a lot of ways, especially when you factor in, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the news recently about the iOS update, which is going to change how Facebook ads are tracked or not tracked in this case. Yes, I think you shared an article about that on Facebook. <laughs> Either you did or I saw that and I was like, oh, this, this is very interesting. Yeah, so you've got that coming on the heels of the uh, DOJ coming down on Facebook. So now Clubhouse is coming into the fray and you're starting to see a just massive adoption of Clubhouse. And I think this is going to be a huge turning point for Facebook. Either they can start fixing some of the problems that 
users and advertisers have, have talked about, or they can start falling to the way and go, you know, end up like another MySpace. Yeah, I, I agree. So we'll link his clubhouse handle and his other social media handles in the links afterwards. What I will say is, to me, I've not been in marketing nearly as long as you. Like, it is clearly and evidently a complete disruptor. There's, there's no way around it. You cannot, it's, it's, there's no video. You can't like anything. You can't comment. You can wait your turn and you can wait for hours. And if you do that, then sometimes you could end up in the opportunity to ask Ty Lopez a question and he's going to give it to you raw, authentic, no filter, no preparation. And look, there is still some salesy stuff going on. I mean, like these people, a lot of these people make money, but I mean, there is very much a community aspect. And I think what you said about that is here's the real truth to that. They're answering questions. Like they're just answering questions that people want answers to. And that kind of accessibility, like you said, is the key. You don't get that anywhere else. So people know this thing is alive 24-7. There's a lot of places to learn. I've seen you hosting awesome rooms as well, which brings us to to your expertise, man. So let's talk about you helping people get uh, to be an authority in their industry. But what I do, and you and I know there's a little bit of overlap is like, okay, like no one's going to know that. No one's going to know you're an authority in your industry if you don't have some of these pieces in place. And some of the approaches are a little bit different, but you want people to be an authority. Number one, why do you want to help people be an authority? And number two, you know, what are people doing wrong? And then we could get into how you, how you help them. Yeah. So why I want people to become an authority is it's kind of a multifaceted answer, right? So there's a personal reason for me. Let's talk about the the business reason for them, why they give a shit, right? Because why I want them to be an authority is really kind of irrelevant. Why they want to be an authority is because when you are an authority, you'll get more media coverage, you'll be able to attract more clients, and you'll be able to charge more money, right? So when somebody's an authority, the dynamic of the relationship changes entirely. So I know you and I were, were fairly young guys. I've never had a heart attack. I'm suspecting you haven't either. But let's say hypothetically, you were having a heart attack and you go into the emergency room. You walk in and the doctor's like, all right, well, let's get you, let's get you back to the room here. Are you going to sit there and say to him, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's talk about the price. What's this going to cost me? Can I see your diploma? Can I see your grades? Like, what? No, fuck that. You're going to go get in the gurney and have your ass wheeled back there because he has the authority, he knows what to do, you're in a situation where he has the solution, you do not. And he's already got that authority just by the virtue of, you know, he he went through medical school, he's now a doctor, he's in the hospital, so we're not even questioning him. And we can take that same approach in business, and when you're able to demonstrate that authority, that you know what you're doing, that you're qualified to solve their problem, then you're going to have a lot easier sales process. You're not going to have to go through, jump through all these hoops, go through this dog and pony show and try and convince them that this is the right way, this is what we should do, or that you're even qualified. It's just, it's more of a, it's just an assumed thing. That's just there. But then beyond that, you're able to charge more money because now you have this authority status. If you don't have that, then you're just everybody else out there. Well, when you're everybody else out there, the only thing you have to differentiate yourself is your price. You and I are in similar lines of work. We know that we could find someone in the Philippines to do the same things we do. On the surface level, it may look the same. From a strategic level, from an execution perspective, it's going to be vastly different. The quality of your work is phenomenal. So 
when somebody comes to you, they're coming to you because they're getting that higher level of quality. They're getting that expertise. They're getting your years of experience. And when you can present yourself as an authority, that's what happens. You're able to differentiate yourself. You're able to charge more. Can you give me your take on this then? Uh, And I agree with you uh, on all that. And I think one thing that being known as an authority and and getting into where you can help people get featured, which we'll get into in a second, is that you will see a vast amount, like, I mean, you said it, it shortens the sales cycle because they're now warm leads. People are seeking you out specifically rather than just browsing the internet and being like, I guess I'll go with this fucking guy because he's got an ad. That's not how it works. So it doesn't reduce the the necessity, in my opinion, to you know still kind of do, if you're in cold calling, cool. If you're in email campaigns, cool. But would you agree on the warm leads part and then how that changes the trajectory of, of the kind of what you have in your pipeline? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I routinely get calls and emails or DMs on social media from people who are like, hey, I saw your article in Entrepreneur or I saw you featured over here in Forbes or you were on this podcast and I love what you said and I need this help with this problem. So it definitely does create that attraction marketing, right? They're coming to you. It's not you going to them. But that doesn't take away the necessity of your outbound efforts, whether it's paid ads, cold calls, you know, email outreach, whatever, whatever approach you're using, all of the above. Both of those things are critical. But the beauty is that when you're out here this way, and it's not going to happen overnight, right? Like you're going to have to build this up. It takes time. But when you get to the point where people start reaching out to you, you've now got this sort of passive and I hate the word passive because nothing is ever truly passive, but you have this somewhat passive source of leads that just come into you. Agree. Let's talk about the fact that I am an authority and I, I'm a sneaker maker or what, whatever it is. What can I do to kind of prime the pump before I take on someone like you to really take it to the next level? What can I and should I be doing? All right. Well, before we get to that point, there's a small mindset issue that most people go through that because of that, they never even get to the point of doing something to set them up to be able to get to the point of doing this. And that is something I I think you're familiar with it. I feel like you and I have talked about it before, but imposter syndrome. So this is something that most of us go through. Usually it's only intelligent people that go through this. You ever notice you don't see the dummies having this problem? (laughs) (laughs) I've literally never heard anyone say that before. Does that make me a dummy for saying that? Anyway, go ahead, man. (laughs) See, that's a sign of imposter syndrome. You're doubting yourself right there. So, but no, like when we start to learn a thing, let's say we come into an industry, you know, or you, you and I, like we got into the military, we didn't know shit except for what we saw in the movies or we got into our industry. And, you know, for you, it's video marketing on social. For me, it's uh, the whole authority side or SEO or any of these things. When you first get in, you realize that you don't know anything and you're conscious of that. But then as you start to learn something, you go from basically knowing nothing to knowing a lot, exponentially more than you did. So what happens is, as you start to learn, your confidence skyrockets. And then as you go on, your confidence starts to go down the longer you're in it. Because what happens is you realize that after all these years, you're still learning so much. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years. 20 plus years, I guess, uh, started working on my business while I was still in the Marine Corps. So I've been doing this for a really long time, but still every single day I'm learning. 
And it's not just from people who have been doing it for longer. I'm learning sometimes from people who have been doing it for a shorter period of time. Like there's always something we can learn from someone. So as you go on where you're learning and you're realizing all the things you didn't know, you start to think, well, shit, do I really know that much? Am I really an expert? And that causes people to be hesitant to put information out there because they they think, well, am I really an expert? Am I really qualified to opine on this? Should I be sharing my opinion, um, both from the perspective of like, am I qualified, but also from the perspective of, am I going to look like a jackass because I'm wrong? So that's the first mindset thing we need to be aware of. So first of all, if you're having imposter syndrome, it's probably a sign that you're an intelligent person, right? Obviously, there's a scale there. Maybe you're mildly intelligent. Maybe you're super intelligent. But if you don't have imposter syndrome, then either you haven't even been around long enough to realize that you don't know shit, or you're just an idiot. And you know, start putting some content out. And we'll find out which one of those it is. Yes, really quick for my audience on on that piece when you start to kind of doubt yourself or whatever it may be. And of course, there's always going to be competition. Why he's talking about the fact that he's always has to be learning is because there's always someone bigger and badder, and especially in tech and especially in marketing. There's always, you don't know everything ever, ever, ever. So you have to be constantly on it. My advice to you, uh, if you kind of arrive to that point where you are having just a lot of doubt, which is fairly healthy, is it just remember there is a specific audience for you. There's enough for everyone out there. There's an audience for Jeremy. There's an audience for me. There's an audience for Grant. There's an audience for whoever. And as long as you realize that, that is one of the things that will keep you grounded and not think to yourself like, you know what? I just got to stop because I'm never going to be able to compete. Someone wants that message from you. So after the mindset, where do we go? Well, I want to I want to kind of tag onto the uh, end of that is we're all an expert to somebody, right? If you've been doing something for a year, you may not be the guy that the whatever your industry publication is wants to feature, but you're somebody that a customer in your industry might be interested in hearing what you have to say. We have to keep that in mind. So what we need to do is we need to start creating content. Now that content can be on social media, it could be articles, uh, whether it's on your own blog or on other publications. Maybe it's industry publications, maybe it's all the way up to tier one pubs like Entrepreneur and Forbes, things like that. Now, obviously, you've got to work your way up there, right? But the key is creating content. So get out there on these platforms and you know, you could go and put together a podcast. You could go and host rooms on Clubhouse. You could put videos out on YouTube. Or you could even do things like, like what you guys do, Rich, where you'll go and sit there and interview somebody and get all these wisdom poured into a video and then break it up into a bunch of different pieces. And now you've got you know, 50, 100 pieces of content out of one video. You can still post that one full video up there, but now what you're doing is you're demonstrating your expertise. And the really cool thing about this is in doing that, you're also refining your own understanding of it. So when we teach something, so and I know in the military, we had kind of a unique perspective here because people are given autonomy and authority and I know people don't think you have autonomy in the military, but like we had small unit leadership that at a level uh, were much younger, managing much more significant situations than anyone in the civilian world for the most part. You could have a young corporal, what, maybe 19, 20 years old, uh, in charge of the lives and deaths of, you know, anywhere from a fire team, four guys, all the way up to a squad. Uh, what's that, uh, 12? 15, somewhere in that wrapper with what the TO is on, on those these days. 
But one of the big things we had in the military was we were constantly teaching. And I think a lot of people underestimate the value of that, not just in the value that it creates in the world, but also in what it does for us. So when I try to explain something, I can talk about a topic and go through it real quick at a real high level. And I'm kind of taking for granted all of the little sub steps that go into it. I'm taking for granted all of the underlying knowledge that makes it possible to understand these high level topics. But when you start breaking it down, like I've been having conversations with my kids, my daughter, I've got the paper somewhere on my desk, which is absolutely a disaster right now, but she wants to do an article because she always sees me working on articles, right? Like if I've got downtime, I'm banging out an article on my phone or, you know, jotting down content ideas. So she wants to do articles and she wants to do videos. So I'm trying to explain these complex business topics to a level that a seven-year-old child understands it. And you have to really think about how you're conveying that information. And so when you're, when you're doing this, you're, you're talking to your end customer, your end client, rather than industry peers, you have to communicate in a different way. And in order to communicate in a different way, you have to understand it at a much deeper level. So teaching through creating content helps you to become better at what you're doing so it's got two benefits. It's, it's making you more effective, but it's also promoting you and putting you out there in front of people. I think there's various types of content. And what I think you're talking about is where I think you can win the most, obviously, especially if you're trying to be an authority. But there's inspirational and kind of motivational content. There's educational, which is what you're talking about. There's entertainment, right? Like a lot of the TikTok stuff we got going on. But now, obviously, the people that are really smart on there are teaching in their one-minute videos. Right. And then there's just kind of controversial videos are really taking kind of a stand, you know, on, on a certain subject. And obviously, that'll draw attention. But the educational content, everyone has so much access to everything at any time. But even now, dude, you know, the truth, like, I'd rather not go to YouTube and search something if someone's going to pop into my LinkedIn feed or whatever feed with the information I need. I'm like, great, thank you. And I remember you and you become top of mind. That educational content is what helps you get established, like uh, at least starts the, the authority piece. Now, we've created content. I've done articles. I'm on Medium. I'm here. Uh, I've made videos. I, I've got gained a good following. I'm in Clubhouse hosting rooms. Where do you come in and how do we take it to the next level? Well, let's back up for a second. When we talk about creating that content, one of the things that the people run into is they don't want to share all the juicy bits. They don't want to share those things that they think, you know, it's like that little guy from from Lord of the Rings, right? My precious. Yeah, yeah Spiegel. Right. Yeah. So they're holding on to that. They think, well, shit, if I give this away, they're not going to need me. And frankly, that's bullshit. I understand, I understand the thought process, right? But it's bullshit because... What's going to happen is, let's say you're out here, you're sharing, like, and, and I do it. You see my content. I break shit down to such a level that somebody with no experience could pick up that article and go and implement what I've outlined. And that's okay because you've got people that fit into a couple of different groups. You've got people who are going to DIY no matter what. They're going to take your content. They're going to implement it themselves. They're never going to hire you. And that's okay because if you produced half-assed content that didn't give them the information, they're still not going to hire you. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's three total groups. You've got another group of people where they're going to look at your content. They might try it or they might just look at it and realize that, hey, this is too much work. This is too complicated. I don't want to mess with this. Let me just hire this guy. Um, or they might just try it for a while, fail or not get the results that they want and, and 
then hire you. And then you've got the third group, you know, the, the super busy investors or, or executives or business owners, whatever, that already know, hey, I don't want to fuck with this. I'm busy. I've got my niche focus of, of what I'm best at. I'm going to do this thing, whether that's running a business, whether that's being an investor, whether it's whatever it is, they're going to focus on that. They just want to go find someone who is the best at whatever it is you do. And they want to know that they're qualified. So they're just going to go look at the content. They're going to dig through it. They may not understand your industry the way that you do, but they're smart enough to look at your content and determine whether you actually are qualified to solve their problem. So that's what those, that's how those break down. But yeah, when we're creating the content, go deep. Dude, obviously I'm a Gary V guy and he's, he, I mean, he has, you know, the extreme take on it, which is I want to give away as much as humanly possible for free. But that goes back to the imposter syndrome. Uh, like, it, it, you know, you giving away too much kind of puts you at this level where you're actually being an imposter because you think you're going to run out of things to say or that you'd act, you don't actually have anything past that that's going to be unique enough or a unique value prop that's going to get you hired and respected. I, I'm with you on that mindset that it is actually a favorable thing and not a detriment. But uh, now that you've outlined that, and those are very good categories, by the way, what happens next? All right. So we're, we're taking that, we're pivoting, becoming an authority. And this is, this is where I went from, I'm on my deathbed to I'm back on top of the world. And, you know, it was at this point where I realized, hey, I can't work my ass into the ground like I used to. Um, like I would be sitting there, you know, when I was at the, the kind of the peak of all this health stuff, I would be sitting on the couch trying to work and just fall asleep. Right. So it was, it was insane. Um, it was almost like almost to the point of narcolepsy. It was ridiculous. So I had to find a different way. I had to find a better way. Like I couldn't get out and just go start cold calling people. I couldn't do all these things that I could normally do. So I had to figure out how to get in front of people and how to shorten the sales cycle so that I could become more efficient and get the business back up and running. Now, mind you, I still wasn't out of the woods on the health side. Um, it, I mean, you and I have talked, this is something we're still trying to fix. So I was still dealing with a lot of that for even for, I mean, even to today. But what I ended up doing was I came out of the gate writing articles on my own site. That was something I had always done. Um, I enjoy writing. I'm good at it. So that just came natural. So I started writing articles on my site. People started noticing it sharing it, engaging with it. And during this process, of course, I'm working on, you know, rebuilding my network, um, engaging with people on social. Um, so I, I've got my long form articles on my blog, and then I'm also sharing them on social media, sharing excerpts, just kind of putting information out there. Then from there, I leveraged my way up into my first column at Search Engine Journal. That was through a relationship, a friend of mine made the introduction to the editor and we kind of worked up there. There was a particular article I wrote on, uh, I think it was something related to page speed, how to improve, you know, how quickly a web page loads, which is, it's important in general, but coming up here in May of this year, it's going to become really important. It's actually Google, it's getting rolled into Google's core algorithm as a important ranking factor. But so I wrote this uh, a few years back and then I leveraged that article into a guest post on the same topic on several other websites. Then I went and pitched several podcasts. Hey, did this article here on X, Y, and Z, all these other uh, publications. Everybody loved it. Audience raved about it. Everybody shared it. it it's this huge success for them. 
how about I come on your podcast and talk about this topic? So then I leveraged several podcasts out of that. Then from there was when we went and, and pitched SEJ on, on me writing there, um, which then turned into a column, which I still write for them today. Love the publication. Love Danny Goodwin. He's the executive editor up there. Great guy. Great management team up there as well. Whole thing top to bottom is, is great. I then leveraged that into several other columns and just kind of kept going up the food chain. Um, not necessarily up in all cases. Sometimes it was lateral, but just continuing to expand that footprint. Um, from there, you know, got columns at news publications, uh, and I think it was towards the, uh, towards the middle to end of last year, I ended up getting a column at entrepreneur magazine. So all of that, you know, came from me writing my first article on my own website and just kind of work your way up. You know, you get out there, you establish that credibility by putting content out there and then start to leverage that, use that to get to the next asset, to the next asset. And then along the way, you know, various other opportunities came to me, speaking opportunities, featured in books, featured in magazines, et cetera. So that's kind of how that path progresses. Now, that sounds like it can be an excruciatingly slow path for people. And one thing, kind of like we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, is you had some big setbacks, one health-related, a couple business-related, and you just have to keep going. So expectation management in terms of this, if you're writing and you're pitching the podcast and they're like, cool, your article's in the dumpster, my <laughs> notional dumpster, you know, how, how do you go about getting the feedback to no, besides just getting the no, you know, the, the N-O no, um, how do you go about improving? Like, do you need to find a coach? Do you need to pivot, be like, maybe I suck at writing, maybe I need to do audio instead? Uh, how do you kind of make amends with that? That's a delicate balancing act because I think, I think we all need a coach um, in various aspects of our life, not any one particular thing. Like, I think all of us can benefit. And if you look at any, I mean, look at an elite athlete, right? They are in the best shape of anybody in the world with the exception of our, you know, tier one military assets but they've still got like a dozen different coaches, right? You've got a stretching coach. You've got a strength coach. You've got a speed coach. You've got a nutritionist. You've got all these different coaches. Like if they value what they're doing that much to have all these different coaches, shouldn't we as business owners do the same? A lot of people fall into this paralysis by analysis kind of scenario where they're like, well, maybe I'm not good enough. That falls back to the whole imposter syndrome. So now let's let's plan and let's practice and let's let's try and get as good as we can before we go public. And I say fuck that. I say put your content out there, start ugly, and refine it as you go. You'll always have time to clean it up. Yeah. You'll always have time to clean it up as time goes on. And on right. a long enough timeline, we can all win if you want. If you want, absolutely. I mean, shit. Look nowadays. I mean, I know 10, 20 years ago, I wrote great, but. If I go back and read an article that I wrote 10 and 20 years ago, I'm like, Jesus Christ, that sounds like a drunk toddler on crystal meth wrote this. What the hell is this garbage? Uh, videos. I feel yeah. the same way about videos. I know you do a shitload of video. You ever look yeah. at your old videos and you're like, what the oh, fuck was that face oh, about? All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> so, so, I mean, your old content is going to make you cringe. And if you guys want to see cringy shit, go look up some of Gary Vee's first videos when he had Wine Library. Like that shit looked like proof of life videos for a hostage scenario. It was terrible. So just create the content. It's probably going to suck at first and that's okay. And you'll just keep getting better as you go. 
Hey everyone, just wanted to take a break in the middle of the podcast to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by Rich Cardona Media. Uh, What we do is we help you create content in batches with professional video, professional audio. We have a show up and shoot model where we can get you three months worth of content in six hours or less on site. We knock it out so that way you don't have to worry about it. If you aren't making content, you're listening to Jeremy right now. If you have not been making content and you want to start making content, you want to start making the most attractive content, then definitely reach out to us and inquire about that. Eliza and I are here for you. And we also are doing some consulting and publishing consulting as we've dealt with a lot of authors at this point. And we want to help you with that launch to make it a successful one to include marketing campaigns and video. If you have any questions, please reach out to our team. I'd like you to email Ellie, E-L-L-I-E at richcardonamedia.com and we will be in touch. Let's get back to the episode. Now, when we talked earlier and I was like, dude, I want to have you on uh, for this specifically, there's a lot of self-proclaimed thought leaders out there. There's some authorities, there's people who think a TEDx talk is a TED talk, which they're not the same thing. You know, there's there's a lot of people and that's fine, dude. I'm not sure. trying to, I'm not trying to shortchange anyone's efforts because I know there's a lot of effort that goes into trying to establish yourself. Now, let's just say you are favorable enough to get in a position like you where you have a standing column, uh, where you're on publications, where you're on podcasts, where you're publicly speaking, where you're hosting rooms and, and all, all these things are going well. The fear Maybe for you, and maybe it's not an irrational fear because you mentioned it at the beginning, you always have to be learning. So you want to stay on top of the industry. You want to stay on top of subject matters. Where can you go if you're not necessarily just like someone who reads and reads and reads or anything like that? Where can you go to determine things that are happening in the marketplace that you absolutely need to make sure you're commenting on or contributing your original thoughts to on social media and beyond? I mean, that's going to vary from industry to industry. You just have to figure out what the publications are in your industry that matter. You know, for me, on the SEO side, obviously we have Search Engine Journal is without question the, the most important one, in my opinion. There, but there's a lot of different publications in our industry that are worth looking at. What you have to do is find out what's really breaking the news. What's, what are other people following? And then go and follow that. You can also look at hashtags. Industry-related hashtags are going to give you a good feel for what's going on in your industry. You know, you can also look at the news. You're going to have to do a hell of a lot more filtering there, but you can get some news stuff. Google News Alerts are a great way to keep on track. That's a free service from Google. You basically just go put in a particular topic, uh, and I recommend putting quotes around that topic, and then Google will send you notifications anytime it finds something new around the web about those particular topics. And that's that's something we use in a lot of different ways. Uh, we use it for keeping up on certain issues, but we also use it for keeping in touch with uh, some of the other influencers, some of the other people that we're engaged with, journalists, contributors, things like that. Um, it's a great way to stay on top of people in your network because as you know, you know, the algorithms on social media, if somebody's not putting out a bunch of content, and you're not regularly engaging with it, you may not see them all the time, so they may fall out of your feed. But if you've got a system in place for staying in touch with those people, like let's say let's say a producer, for example, they're typically not going and posting all their stuff. They're just busy doing the back-end work. They're not content creators. They're, they're the ones basically facilitating the creators and the, the front-end uh, people. So you're probably, they're going to fall off your radar. 
But if you have a system in place, it helps you to keep up with them. And you can use that same kind of system for keeping up on the news related to your industry. Are there any paid, uh, and and I've used a bunch of those, and let me try and give you an example uh, if I wanted to get a little bit deeper, uh, because sometimes what I've found with Google Alerts is it's a couple articles and they're definitely not reputable. I I don't want to say not reputable. They're very small town newspapers or something like that. I'm like, okay, I guess that subject wasn't very much in the news. And I find that hard to believe. But let's just say I am an executive coach and I'm I'm looking for content. And all I see when I'm with, with my alerts or the news or hashtags is just why you should hire an executive coach or whatever. And I'm looking for deeper, <laughs> deep, deeper subjects. Yeah, totally. I hate that like, So you, you're looking for deeper subjects, right? Yeah. You're looking for something really kind of granular. Is there any paid services that you can look into or some, maybe it's a paid service that you hire your VA to, to kind of do the research for you and be like, give me 20 ideas by the end of the day type thing. Is there anything out there? Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to touch back on on that that particular topic because that's, that's something I see a lot of in, in all industries. It's like, hey, here's seven reasons why you should hire whatever it is my company does. And that's you-centered content. And that's going to turn everybody off, right? When you're creating content, it needs to be something that's going to solve your audience's problems. And if it's not doing that, then it's fucking useless. So as far as you know, coming up with, with content ideas, there are so many different ways. You know, you've got keyword research tools like Google's Keyword Planner. There's a bunch of those. You've got tools like SEM Rush. That's something we use a lot in the search industry. Great tool. It's a paid. I think the I think the lowest package starts at like 100 bucks a month, something right around there. They have all kinds of data on like you could throw in a search term and it will spit out all kinds of data on various things related to that term that people have searched for and it will even give you the search volume. I think we've talked once before about answer the public, which seems fantastic. And I did it for a little while, but I'll tell you the one thing I, I, I really felt strongly in, in a positive way about it in the beginning. But what I noticed was it was all short tail. It wasn't any long tail search. And if it if if I let me try and think of it, if I wrote track shoes, it'd be like best track shoes. Or uh, that's an absolutely dog shit example, but uh, (laughs) track shoes, track shoots for kids, you know, like prepositions, not actual thoughts. Does that make sense? And and, and so is there anything better than than that kind of that? Yeah. So so that hasn't been my experience. And maybe that maybe that's a, a mechanism of whatever the topic you were using, maybe there just wasn't much data on that. I've used it for a, a pretty wide range of topics and it, it's kind of hit or miss. In some cases, it produces a wealth of data. And in other cases, it's the proverbial dog shit that you mentioned. But Answer the Public is a good tool. Uh, it's just going to vary depending on industry. Uh, another cool thing you can use is uh, any of the, the Q&A sites. Uh, most of us are familiar with Quora. Yahoo used to have one called Yahoo Answers. I think they've, I think they shut that down. Uh, I think it was last year. But Quora is a great one. Now, I will tell you, you're going to need a healthy dose of eye bleach when you start going into some of these, uh, some of these Q and A sites because people are stupid. I was doing some research for uh, topics for a company that we manage their SEO. It's a large national drug testing company, and one of the topics that I kept seeing come up regularly was, can I pass a drug test by drinking bleach? (laughs) So you're going to see a lot of really stupid questions. So Quora is the one that we all know about, but in the tech world, there's one called Stack Overflow. 
But the company that runs Stack Overflow has, the last time I looked, uh, which was when I gave the presentation at the Military Influencer Conference, that company manages something in the range of like 190 something Q&A sites on various topics, like baking, math, engineering, like all kinds of different topics. So you've got Quora just as a general thing, but then uh, the the whole stack set of Q&A sites, they've got a niche for damn near everything. And you can get some really juicy topics out of there just by going through the threads and seeing what people are talking about. You can look at some of your competitors. I like to set up news alerts for competitors, see what they're talking about, sign up for their newsletters. Let's say they come off with an article. What was the example you were using before? Uh, what, uh, executive, yeah. uh, executive coaches? Yeah. So you could do like coachescouncil.com or something, you know, I'm just making something up and I would subscribe to their newsletter is what you're saying if they were a competitor. Right. You could subscribe to their newsletter, but then what you could do is take a look at what they're creating and then rather than replicating it, counter it. And when you do that, a lot of times you'll get people who are very passionate either for or against engaging with that content. And then you've got this kind of viral uh, impact because people start to engage with that. I had one I did a while back where I was basically highlighting all of the issues with page builders. I was talking about Wix particularly, but because it's a complete shit show. Oh, let me interrupt for one second. Is GoDaddy dog shit? Absolutely. I, I mean, uh, I have these clients and I they had issues with GoDaddy and I'm like, I, I think it was you that's like, anyone who's using this is negligent <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, uh, go, what, what are you going to say here on the record about GoDaddy and yes. Wix or something like that? That, sound, that sounds exactly like something I would say, first of all. Yeah, so GoDaddy, it, it's fine to have your domain there. I wouldn't have hosting there and I sure as hell wouldn't use their, their, their website builder tool. The reality is all of those tools are garbage. They create all kinds of bloat. They create just a mess that displays inconsistently from browser to browser. It's just, it's not good. So that's my answer on that. So we've, we've kind of taken the journey and now that you have your kind of research tools available, I'm looking up veteran entrepreneurship or I don't know what. And let's say it gives me 10 searches, uh, 10 different searches that have taken place. And I see one with, you know, 100,000 searches last month. And then I see one with 1,000 searches last month. Am I better off going with what's being searched? Or am I better off trying to add or, or add some really good insight to the one that was only searched 1,000 times? So there's two ways to look at that. And first of all, the data is not going to be super accurate. Because really, the only people that have that data are the engineers at the search engines. And it only applies to search. It doesn't apply to, like, are people talking about it on social media? Are people sharing it with each other? Are they emailing it to each other? There's a lot of, there's a lot of other factors here. But the higher volume does obviously indicate uh, a greater general interest. But then we also have to look at it from the perspective of, like, is that really targeted? So I, I guess a good way to highlight this is, Let's look at this from an SEO perspective. I had, I had a lady one time reach out to me and wanted us to rank her. She was a real estate agent in Tampa. Wanted us to get her ranked number one for the term real estate. Okay. Aside, How much money you got? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and it was her budget wasn't even close to realistic. But aside from the fact that that would cost a tremendous amount of money and take a monumental amount of time, what the fuck is she going to do with it? 
you're a single office in Tampa ranking for real estate, your phones are going to be blowing up and you can't even handle 99.9% of the people that are calling. So like, what, what, what are you accomplishing? So we have to look at it from the perspective of like, how relevant are the people who are looking for this really, right? Like if somebody, you know, you mentioned executive coaches before, somebody's looking for an executive coach, that's a little vague. It's a little broad. If they're looking for an executive coach for businesses in the video production industry, that's a lot more focused. So keep that in mind when you're looking at that kind of data, first of all. Uh, but then the other side of it is those numbers really only matter from a search perspective. That's that's how many people are searching for it. If you're not going to rank for it, then the difference between a topic that's getting 1,000 searches a month versus 50,000 probably isn't going to be that much of a difference because they're not coming to it and finding it via search anyway, right? Unless you've got this heavy SEO campaign going, you're probably not going to see a search impact in the first place. Because it's not like you could just put up an article and it's just going to rank, right? You have to put up an article and it has to be optimized properly, but then you also have to build links to that article. Yeah. I want to mention one thing. Uh, that example he gave of executive coaches for video marketing production or something, that is, that exactly what he said right there is why you niche down. Um, because if I have a choice and I am looking for an executive coach, who do you think I'm going to go to? If someone says, if I'm in pain, to use your example earlier, and I have to go to the hospital and there's a doctor, there's a difference if I'm having a fucking heart attack and a podiatrist comes out. I'm like, cool, you're a doctor, dude, but you 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 can't do anything for me except the A, Bs, and Cs, you know, so it's right. over. So that that is just one thing I had to add on there. But uh, dude, I, I am really, really happy with everything you've been able to give this audience. So where can we find you? And if we need anything, where can we go? Before we get to that, I want to share one more tool with you. Yeah, please. All right, it's called BuzzSumo. All right, are you familiar with that one? I am. All right, cool. So for your listeners... We talked about using some of the tools that will show you search volume. This actually takes and shows you what content is trending on social networks. And it shows you, you know, how many shares across the various platforms it's getting. So you can see how things are performing on social. There's a free version. You don't get very many searches per month with that. But there's a paid version where you have a much higher number of searches. And this will give you a lot of data as well. Yeah, I, I think I experimented. I, I didn't experiment. I saw a demo of it and I was blown away. But at that time in my life, I was just like, I can't process that right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just couldn't in my head. But but yeah, man, uh, where can we find you so we could hit you up? And um, yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah, I am not hard to find. Uh, that's intentional, obviously, with, with what I do. Uh, if you search my name, Jeremy Knopf, I will pop right up. Uh, that is Knopf with a K, K-N-A-U-F-F. I am on pretty much every major social network, particularly Clubhouse. I think I am uh, going to have to start paying rent there pretty soon. Seriously. Uh, what kind of rooms do you host on there so so they know? Um, I've been hosting uh, rooms on marketing-related topics. I'm also in various real estate groups. I'm not personally a real estate investor, but a lot of the people in my network are, and a lot of my clients are in that world. So I'm I'm very familiar with both the world, uh, the people in there, and the stuff that I do is useful for them. So I'm I'm regularly asked to come in there and speak. So um, I love it. Yeah, I, I definitely encourage everyone to get out there and get on Clubhouse before before it becomes saturated, uh, which it's going to like every every social network does. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I mean, I think I mentioned it to him prior to actually recording that I just need to be a little bit strategic. Uh, you can plan on ingesting so much information that you're going to get the trending word on Clubhouse, which is FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out on someone's brilliant something or the shit. I mean, there was a shark tank going on and investors like literally fielding pitches. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things yeah. going on. But if you're someone like me, who's very routine based, uh, you definitely will need to make an adjustment for it or else, you, you know, you could derail your whole day. But the podcast guests that you might have access to, the information you have access to, the money you have access to, the businesses or vendors that you actually need. This might be a very big solution for many of you, so I could not agree with Jeremy more. But anyway, dude, thank you so much. We will all seek you out. And to everyone, we appreciate it. Share, listen, all that good stuff so other people can get this information and use it to their advantage. See you next time. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. I know you got something out of that. I know you have some thoughts in your head now of what you need to be doing a little bit better in terms of your content creation and how you're going to show up on social. Okay. Don't let it overwhelm you. You could follow specific methods just like Jeremy was talking about. So that way you can be the authority that you know you are. So if this is helpful for you, please, please, please do us a favor, rate it and review it and share it with anyone who might benefit from it because this is how the word gets around and this is how more people get help and this is how I am able to continue getting fantastic guests to give you the information that's gonna help us win. See you next week.